you know, I just want to talk to us today about God being near, just our God being so close to us, his glory, his presence, his purpose for our lives. And we're just going to start off with two very um, small and quick passages versus our normal longer reading. Don't worry, we have some much longer readings for today. But to start off with, in Exodus chapter 25, verse 8, one of my my personal go-tos over the years once it exploded in my heart. But this small, powerful passage says, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. And then 2 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 2, it says, The Lord is with you when you are with him. (laughs) If you seek him, He will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. You know, last week, as we have a quick recap, last week coming off of Resurrection Weekend, we looked at what the blood of Jesus accomplished. We looked at sort of the how the blood of Jesus accomplished for us forgiveness and Kind of starting there and seeing where it takes us today, the high priest once again would, would come once a year in the old covenant, the old promise of God, that high priest would come once a year. He would come as far as he was able, but he would not come without blood. He would also not come without fire. We, talked, we taught on it in some depth last year at some point, the, the high priest coming into the holy place and then coming into the holy of holies. He had blood and he had fire, blood and fire. And he came into that place where it was stopped and he was stopped by the veil. It says in Leviticus chapter 16, verse 12, it says that then he shall take a censer full of burning coals of fire from the altar before the Lord. That altar that you'd come into the holy place, and we know there's a table of showbread, there's the menorah, the golden candlesticks, and then there's that, that altar where the fire burned continually before the Lord, and the high priest would come in, he would come with blood, he would come with fire, he would only come in once a year for the sins of the people on the Day of Atonement. Now, on that day when Jesus died, and on that that very in that very moment when Jesus died to to conclude the how and the when of the blood being applied it's a, a powerful scripture in Matthew 27 verses 50 and 51 and you say pastor resurrection weekend was 2 weeks ago oh, i'm just stuck what can i say but look at this it says that in 
verse 50, and I didn't, it's a, it's a late scripture, so you just got to search it up back there. Matthew 27 and 50, or open up your Bibles. It says that Jesus cried out. Actually, let me read it. I want to read it from the actual Bible so that I don't miss anything. 27, verse 50. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then, behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split. This shows the the immediate nature of the veil being torn and the access to God being made. We talked about how right when Jesus breathed his last, how he went and he applied the blood. But the scripture teaches us that right then that veil was torn so that access to God would be permitted. It wasn't a second later. It was at that very moment when Jesus breathed his last. It's, how, it's amazing how quickly things happened. Immediately when he breathed his last, that veil in the temple, which was just a couple miles away, was torn. And, and mistakenly so, I, I one time said that the priest was on the, on the inside, but that only happens once a year on the Day of Atonement. This was during the Passover, but the priests were likely in the holy place, not in the holiest of all. And so check out what happens. The priests are there ministering before the Lord in the holy place, not the holiest. But all of a sudden, this veil, which is keeping them from going into that holiest of all, at that moment when Jesus breathed his last, the blood was applied and the veil was torn. Hebrews tells us in chapter 10 and verse 20 that the new and the living way that he opened for us Through the curtain, that is through his flesh. The veil being torn from top to bottom was a symbolic of Christ's flesh, but it was actual, literal in the sense that we can then and now enter into the presence of God by everyone. Everybody say, me. I have access. You no longer have to go to a priest. You no longer have to ask somebody else to make a sacrifice for you. Children, it doesn't have to be mom or dad. Hey, or mom or dad, it doesn't have to be granny. It's each one of us who now have access into the presence of the Lord. So let's talk about the presence in the glory of God and how God is so near, and the way that he is near to us is that he is near to us by his presence and by his glory. We looked at this again in that same time a little bit last year and to sort of reemphasize and then build from it that the glory, there's two, two main words that we look at when we talk about the glory of God, and one of them is Shekinah. Christina wrote that song sometime last year about the Shekinah glory of the Lord. 
The Shekinah glory is this divine presence of God. It's the outshining. It's the brightness of the glory of God. There is, there is only one who has Shekinah glory. There's actually only one who has any sort of real glory in the entire universe, known and unknown, and his name is Jesus. The other word is Kabod, K-A-B-O-D. And when we talk about the glory Kabod is also a word that, that needs to be begun to be understood because the kabod of God is the heaviness of God. In the case, most of the time, it's translated simply as glory. So the place of Shekinah or the, the place of the kabod of God is this place of dwelling or settling of God's divine presence. And thankfully, because of what Jesus has done, he settles his presence in our hearts so that every one of us, no matter background, no matter how good or bad you feel about yourself, no matter how confident you feel of being able to enter into this, this holy place, it could almost seem a little spooky at first. Jesus has given us access into his very presence. Leviticus chapter 16 verse 2 says, I will appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. You know, it was at Solomon's dedication of the very first temple, understanding that before Solomon, who was King David's son, which is where we get our history, all the, the Israelite and King David, we've now been grafted in and adopted into this family. But it was when Solomon built the first temple, the the first structure. Up until that point, the temple was a tent. It was mobile. It was moving. Moses moved with it with the Levites in the desert. Joshua set it up at Shiloh for some 400 years. Solomon ended up building a structure, a beautiful dwelling place for the Lord to dwell. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 5 and verse 14, listen to what happened at the day that Solomon dedicated the temple unto the Lord. It says, so that in verse 14, it says, The priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. The priest could not minister. I mean, this is, we're talking about, when we're talking about God in his presence, we're not talking metaphorically. We're not talking just theoretically. We're not talking fairy tales. We're talking about an actual, tangible, weightiness, divine presence of the Almighty God. And the people of God began to get a, a foretaste and begin to see it some with Moses and then with Solomon, just like in Leviticus says, I will appear in a cloud. Of course, we walk outside on a foggy morning, which is essentially right, a cloud just kind of hovering and 
maybe a little mist. I mean, it's not, it's not a metaphor. You go out there when it's, you drive when it's foggy and you, you put on your windshield wipers, right? Because your windshield's getting all fogged up. It's all that mist is coming on your windshield. Well, when you walk into the cloud of the presence of God, like the priest attempted to do, all of a sudden that weightiness, that tangible weightiness of God settled upon the priest so that all they could find themselves doing was to lie there in the cloud of God's presence. A tangible touching upon our lives. That is the kabod of God. In Ezekiel 43, in his vision, in verse 5, in Ezekiel, just a powerful major prophet of just foretold of visions of heaven, visions of earth, visions of the glory of God. And he said, the Spirit lifted me up and brought me into the inner court. And behold, the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Ezekiel saw the vision. The priest in Solomon's temple experienced the presence. The people, as they looked upon Moses' face when he came down from the mountain, they wouldn't even look upon him. And as the, the outshining of God's glory began to fade, Moses veiled up so that he would not, the people would not see the glory fade away from his physical being. He was a, it was a, a part of shame that it was only temporary. But now the word of God teaches us that with unveiled faces, and we'll get there in just a little bit. First Kings chapter 8 verse 10, another passage like Chronicles chapter 5. It says, and it came to pass when the priest came out of the holy place that the cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house. Now, this is awesome. This is awesome to begin to understand just a little bit of the weightiness of God's presence and how, man, God's presence, if we look at it in a practical sense, with God's presence in our life, it is a weighty matter in our life. It's a weighty matter. It's not something that we use that sort of, you know, kind of taking it like weightiness, meaning important. God's presence in our life, in our family, is an important matter. It's important to, to be a people who are encountering and experience God's glory in our life. Now, here's the good news. As where we started in Exodus in chapter 25, verse 8, again, let them make me a sanctuary that I might dwell among them. If we go look at Numbers now in chapter 1 in verse 50, and we're doing a quick run-through of the glory of God and the presence of God both then and now, where it says in verse 50, But you shall appoint the Levites over the tabernacle of testimony and over all its 
furnishings and over all things that belong to it. They shall carry the tabernacle in all its furnishes. They shall attend to it. Listen to this. And camp around the tabernacle. They shall camp around the tabernacle. You see, God has always wanted his glory in his presence in the center of his people. God's always, from the beginning, build a sanctuary that I might be among them. It's not among them in some distant, tall mountain that only the best mountain climber or rock climber can get there. No, it's right in the center of camp. Verse 51 says, and when the tabernacle is to go forward, the Levites shall take it down. And when the tabernacle is to be set up, the Levites shall erect it and shall set it up. The outsider who comes near shall be put to death. The children of Israel shall Pitch their tent. Now, I want to differentiate as you hear me reading this passage. Differentiate between the children of the people and the Levites. The children, where am I at? Of Israel shall pitch their tents, and everyone by his own camp, and everyone by his own standard. But the Levites, according to their, their armies, But the Levites shall camp around the tabernacle of the testimony, that there may be no wrath on the congregation of the children of Israel, and the Levites shall keep charge of the tabernacle of testimony. You know, in Peter, in 1 Peter in chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, it talks about us being a, a holy royal priesthood, a holy generation. And now we are a royal priesthood here in 1 Peter chapter 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Where are we going with this? We're sitting there looking at how there was a differentiation between just the the people who were to camp according to their own standard. However, they were, had their designations, however they had their, their families, their purposes, their jobs. The people were to camp not, not around the tabernacle. The people were to camp according to their own ways. When Moses, before the the tabernacle, before the Levites stepped forward with sword and hand and said, he who is on the Lord's side, let them come forth. When the, before the Levites came and stepped forth, Moses, when he would pitch his tent, Moses would pitch his tent over on, on the outside. They would still be able to see when the man Moses went in. They'd be able to see when the cloud came down. God was still very near his people, but Moses was out here. And then all of a sudden, the Levites come forward. The Levites come forward. You see, these Levites, they were a different type of people. The Levites lived by a different code, if you would. 
The Levites live by a different set of convictions. The Levites lived by a separation from just normal peoplehood. (laughs) The normal standard of just coming and going and doing things as you see fit. The Levites lived according to the code of the Lord. Today, with what Jesus has made access for us as the people of God, he has now called us in to the priesthood of the Levites. He's called us into this priesthood so that we can be a people who are, in a sense, erecting and taking down the presence wherever the presence goes. We are a people who goes because wherever we go, the presence goes with us. The glory of God is near. This wasn't, this wasn't that no one else had access. As a matter of fact, it's always struck me as interesting that, that Joshua himself was not a Levite. He was not from the tribe of Levi. Joshua himself was from the tribe of Ephraim. Yet Joshua, because of his commitment, his devotion... Joshua was a man who spent his time, his days in the presence of the Lord. You see, the glory of God is the outshining of his beauty in his holiness. We've been getting glimpses of his glory all throughout human history. Ever since God made that profound Statement, I want to dwell among my people. Jesus has been revealing himself to his people. Isaiah saw it in chapter 6, where it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord. How many of us have seen the Lord in our heart, in our visions, maybe heard him, maybe he's appeared to, to you? Isaiah saw the Lord in this vision. It must have been like he could taste it. He could reach out and and touch it. And it says that he was high and lifted up. The train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, each one with six wings, two covering his face, two covering his feet, and with two he flew. In one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Later in Isaiah in chapter 60, as the prophet and throughout his whole ministry was having these visions and receiving these words of the Lord, later he would say, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. You see, we are a people in today's age with what Christ has accomplished for us. We are a people who need to be drawing in and drawing near to the presence in the glory of God. Can Two people say amen. Amen. All right, thank you. Drawing into his presence. 
his beauty. You see, there are benefits, and I'm not talking, and I'm not talking in the, the monetary nature. I'm talking in the, the spiritual nature. So many times we get more allured because we think and are told of the blessings that will come. I'm supposed to follow that statement up by saying, oh, yeah, but in the Lord will bless, right? But there's something so much more important, so much more important than that which physically can benefit from God's glory in the riches of his presence. You see, the glory of God and the beauty of his holiness there is a gratification. There is a satisfaction. There is an, an allurement that happens that our souls find rest. I, our spirits find fulfillment. Unlike any other way, eating healthy, all day long, feeling good about yourself, pumping the weights, eating the greens, running your miles, doing all those physical benefiting exercises and pursuits in our life make us feel physically satisfied, but do nothing for our spirits. I'm supposed to say right now, but you're supposed to exercise and eat well, right? <laughs> it benefits a little. Thank you, Gary. <laughs> but the beauty and the glory of his presence satisfies that hole in our hearts. You see, there's a, there's a God-sized space within every person that can only and will only be filled by the glory in the presence of God. Psalms 27, one thing have I desired as our, as our gold standard, King David, the worshiper of worshipers, the worshiper of all time, one thing have I desired and that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. You come into God's presence, you spend time in God's presence, whether it's on a, any sort of Sunday or any sort of weekday or any sort of devotional time or any sort of any spiritual time. You're sitting in the restroom doing your deed. Seeking the Lord because that's the only place where you can find quiet in your household. It took me a few years to realize that's why my kids went to the restroom and stayed in there for an hour. When you don't have a lot of places to go, you go find solitude. But here's the thing. You come into God's presence and all of a sudden you ask yourself this question every time. 
When you encounter God's presence, you say to yourself, what took me so long to come back? Every time. It could be the next day. It could be the next week or so forth and so on. But when you encounter his presence and his beauty and eternity bust forth into this finite existence, you say to yourself again, well, why don't I do this more often? You come and after having been away from Jesus for a long time or having not walked with Jesus maybe ever or at all and you come and you come into his presence and you come and worship or you say Jesus come into my heart and you come and you encounter it's like boom and you're like what why why was I such a gold-plated idiot for so long what was holding me back why didn't somebody tell me? The telling part doesn't always work. Doesn't always work. Be faithful with telling people. Borderline annoying them. It's okay. You're allowed to be annoying for the glory of the Lord. But the hope of his glory, when we encounter his glory, what are the more beneficial aspects of coming into the presence of God is that when we come into his glory, then in Colossians 1.8, it says, to them God made known what are the riches of his glory, of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is this, Christ in you the hope of glory. You see, the hope of glory, encountering the glory of God ignites hope in our hearts. If you're lacking hope, if you're finding yourself joyless and depressed and, and lacking purpose and lacking hope, I'm telling you what the solution is, and it's not repeating to ourselves some, you know, phrases, I'm a wonderful person, I can do it, I'm great, I'm one. No, it's coming and touching Jesus. You say, well, how do I do that? It make, Pastor, you're making it sound so easy. It, it might not be. I mean, we all have access Sometimes, man, you got to push through. You got to push through the schedules, the screaming kids, the work. You got to push through the distractions. You got to push through all the the feelings of of anger or hurt or unforgiveness. You got to push through the the, if the alcohol's got you or the drugs have got you or if the the pornography's got you. You got to push through all that. No matter what your crud is, no matter what's holding you back. You push through it, and you come and get a hold of Jesus. He receives you, and you say, thank you, Lord. What took me so long? What took me so long? And you say, okay, I just got to do it one time. (laughs) I just got to do it once. Once is enough, right? Just one time. I'm good. Well, depends on what kind of of walk you want to have with the Lord. I mean, seriously, depends on how you want, how you want your life to go. Because when you, when you keep a life of pressing in into God's presence and you make encountering his presence and his glory a regular 
aspect of your journey will that hope in those those things that keep on wanting to creep up on you as you come near the fire those things just get like burned off and pushed away that's why you have to come and bring the they had to come and get the fire every time before going into the, the presence. When we come into the presence of God, the fire of God just somehow singes all those attachments on our life and they become detached. The importance becomes detached. The riches of his glory. The riches of his glory. You begin to realize when it says in Ephesians 3.16, according to the riches of his glory, you're strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Listen to that. If you need to close your eyes and let that word of God go deep into your spirit today, according to the riches of his glory, encountering his glory strengthens with all might the spirit in the inner man. You want to be a victorious person, a happy person in Jesus. We are a people who come and continually experience the richness of his glory and all the riches that it brings with it. Peace, things that you can't buy with money, things that you can have a bank account filled with zeros upon zeros that's not going to buy you one ounce of eternal peace. It's not going to buy you any joy in the true nature. It's not going to buy us any forgiveness. So the true riches of his glory is separated from the, the temporal things of this life. Fortunately, God sees and has mercy and kindness, and he gives us all things we need for life. But the true riches is the true allurement. It's the allurement that keeps bringing us back to Jesus. Like on that day in Mark chapter 3 and verse 2 and 3, and after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up on a mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His clothes became shining, exceedingly white like snow, such as no launderer on earth can whiten them. The clothes became so white because Jesus was transfigured into his true image in the glory, just a glimpse of the glory, obviously not his full glory, or Peter, James, and John would have ceased to exist on that mountaintop. They would have vanished disintegrated but we get a glimpse of his glory we get a glimpse of how beautiful he is and he was resplendent with divine brightness on the mount of transfiguration the glory is what keeps us attracted to Christ and keeps us coming back for more. Religion doesn't accomplish that. As wonderful as a people as every single one of you are, 
coming into this house on a day such as today to shake a hand and give somebody a hug is not enough to keep somebody coming back to Jesus for good. It might do a little something for day one and maybe day two. People might feel a little bit more comfortable to be able to come and and know somebody and sit next to somebody you know. But you got to get a glimpse of the glory of Christ to keep you coming back day after day, week after week, month after month. Not And forgive me if you think that I'm talking about these seats in this house. I'm talking about coming back to Jesus. Coming back to Jesus so that your life doesn't drift and become meaningless and purposefulless again. That your life stays on fire for the things of God. Your heart stays burning. It's the only thing that keeps us from just pursuing the fruitless, the 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 masses amounts of fruitless joys out there in the world every day. Thankfully, there's more glory of God in the world than there are fruitless joys. We just have to open up our spiritual eyes to see them, to know them, and to draw near into them every day. We see in part... Look at the person next to you and say, I see in part. Some of you say, ah, well, that's an easy one. (laughs) We see in part. I'm like, oh, I'm definitely seeing more in part every day. We see in part, but then we shall see him face to face. In Corinthians 3.18, it says, but with unveiled face. Everybody say unveiled face. That means without being ashamed. That means without being, without confidence. That means knowing that what Jesus has given us, what he has placed upon our life is without repentance. That means that God is faithful. That means that God is going to do in our lives what he has communicated both to you and through his word what he's going to do in our lives. With unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, being transformed. Everybody say transformed. Into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. You know, I want to apologize for anybody that has ever told you that there is another way to change yourself. I want to apologize for every, for every either known or unknown lie somebody has told you. That you can, you can do certain things in your own power, and your own strength, and you can be changed, and you can be transformed. That works for a minute. But the way that we are transformed for both a lifetime and then that, that enters us into the eternal realms is by encountering his glory, and then this is how it happens. We come and we see Jesus, we touch Jesus, and something, something happens in our heart. 
something happens in our life. We walk out of there, whatever that, wherever that encounter may have been, we walk out of there with a new both revelation and conviction that Jesus, by his spirit, gives us the ability to start walking out. Boom, boom. And we start to be faithful with that little that the Lord has revealed to us and what the Lord has spoken to us. You see, today there's, there's so many different levels that, that every single one of us are at here today as pertains to encountering the glory and the presence of God. It does, it's not even important where, where we all are today in our personal encounters with God's presence. What's important is that when he reveals himself to us in whatever way he speaks to us, he touches us, we get a sense, a sense, not in a spooky sense, it's in actually an eternal sense. It's, what, it's a sense that makes more sense than an earthly sense. We get a sense of, wow, something is different. We start to become aware of these things. It's not accident. It's not, it's not fluke. It's not coincidence. This is how the Holy Spirit begins to take us from glory to glory. The thing is, is that this heightened awareness of spiritual things becomes more normal in your life. The longer, not necessarily the longer by years, but the more that you come and the longer that you're encountering his presence. It's amazing to me those that, and again, we, we, I probably apologized for this a few weeks ago. Am I saved or I'm saved or in I'm saved and, and prioritizing certain people's radical encounters more than other people's, you know, normal encounters. It's really irrelevant because what's, what the point is, is that we're coming and we're meeting Christ right where we are today. And there are those who can be in Christian churchy atmospheres for decades and have not been transformed at all. And those that can come in for whatever amount of time, encountering God's presence, whether it's the atmosphere that they were privileged enough to be introduced to, whether it's just, and it always is, just grace and mercy of God, but those who in, in much shorter time frames, next thing you know, their, their spirits are soaring with a desire and a hunger for the things of God. It becomes more and more our lifeline day by week by month after day, week, month, year. It becomes our lifeline. We got to grab a hold of him today. We got to sit and spend time in his presence in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's get the communion ready. And I'm going to ask just while a couple, a couple folks do that, just stay seated right where you are and close your eyes, please. Just stay seated right where you are and just close your eyes for a moment. I pray you hear the heart 
of the challenge that I'm pulling you into today. I pray you hear by the Spirit of the Lord. Hallelujah. The Spirit of God drawing you in, speaking to you. You have access. You have everything you need in Christ. Hear me. In Christ, you have everything you need. Not through self-discipline, but by the Spirit of the Lord. There are things we do. There are patterns we form. There are, there are habits that we start, to, start to, to execute week after week. But it all starts and sustained by the Spirit of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want every person in this room just to hear me. Anybody listening or watching online today to hear me. I want to give you an opportunity right now for a fresh start. A fresh start. A fresh start. You know, just for the record, I come to the Lord for a fresh start often. This isn't just, this isn't singling you out, though there might be somebody for the first time that you come to Jesus today. But we come to the Lord for a fresh start, and it, and it just it starts with just coming and acknowledging, acknowledging our need. You have a need for Jesus. Every one of us do. You have a need for the Spirit of the Lord in your life. Every single one of us do. We have a need for our Heavenly Father's acceptance, forgiveness. Every one of us do. And so I want you to search your heart right now in the name of Jesus. Right where you're seated, search your heart. Close your eyes so you're not distracted and let the light of the Spirit of the Lord search your heart. Oh, I love this song, Charlotte. <laughs> I can just get lost and messed up. Just go ahead and start singing it. Thank you, Jesus. Just sing this. Sing this to Jesus right now. Thank you. 
let the presence of the Lord just come and surround you, fill you right now as we sing this song. Just keep on singing it. Just keep on. You're doing great. Just let the presence of the Lord fill your heart, fill your life. I'm telling you, we're just, this, we're just coaching you. We're coaching you right now how to just come into the presence of the Lord. Just close your eyes. Just, for, just, just come and sing it. Just sing it and worship. We just linger. We just linger. This is what eternity is going to be, just worshiping the Lord. As we sing that, y'all can go ahead and come. Go ahead and come and get the communion elements today. Go ahead and come. Go ahead and come and get the communion elements. somebody in this room that you don't feel worthy and you haven't received the, or 
got the communion elements. You just come real quick. We're going to pray. That sort of humbled heart, <laughs> that's the type of humility that we need. We, we misinterpret. We misinterpret what we're supposed to do when we feel when we feel unworthy, when we feel ashamed. <laughs> we've all felt unworthy. We've all felt ashamed. And when we come to Jesus, he come and ex- he exchanges that. That's just a drawing. That's a being a drawn. That's being drawn to Jesus. That's becoming aware of our need. It's becoming aware of our need. And we're going to pray together. So just if there's anybody else, if there's anybody else who needs to come and get the Lord's table, just, I know you might feel a little awkward now, but it doesn't matter. Go ahead and come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to pray for every person in this place, every person participating, watching. If you're at home watching, whether right now or whether after the service, get, get a Get some crackers. Get your juice right now. Go run. Run to the kitchen and do it. In Jesus' name. Press pause. Pause. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're in the presence of the Lord. This is just a... We try not to... We try not to run in and run out if you haven't gathered that yet. We work really hard at not just letting church be a formula or just a format, or just sort of self-helping us ourselves. No, we, 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 work, we work really hard at trying to just provide an, an atmosphere and a place for each one of us, for each one of us to be able to encounter Jesus, encounter Jesus, encounter His presence. I sense His presence in this place right now. For each one of us, it'll be a little different. But I want to tell you, his presence is in this place. His presence is accessible to you. His presence is near and not far off. And we're going to pray, each one of us. Some of us have prayed many times already in our life. We're all going to pray to support those of us in this room that might be praying for the first time. We might be praying for the first time. Or maybe, we'll be re- maybe we are returning for the first time in a long time. We're going to pray and we're going to ask Jesus to come and his presence to fill our life. His glory, his goodness, his joy and his peace, his forgiveness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want everybody in this place with hearts opened and humbled before the Lord. I want us all to pray together. Say, Jesus, I need you. I need your presence. I need you to fill my life. I ask you to forgive me all my sins I need you to be my Lord I need you to be my Savior I welcome you in my heart and in my life from this day forward I start today 
in Jesus' name. Amen. Hold the bread in your hand. Lord, we remember and we acknowledge that your body was broken, that you took upon the punishment that each one of us deserved. And Lord, we celebrate what you have accomplished for each one of us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Go ahead and take of the bread. cup of our, in our hands, the cup of covenant, the cup representing the shed blood of Jesus, that blood that was poured out, that blood that was applied to the heavenly mercy seat. Because of his blood, Jesus's blood alone, that veil that kept us separated was torn and because of his blood access was made into the presence of God the glory of God is now accessible to all mankind high and low male and female young and old from every nation over this entire globe all peoples glory to God in the highest and peace to people on earth. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your blood. And today there might be some of us, Lord, who are applying your blood for the first time. Lord, I pray that their life would never be the same, never the same after this encounter with your presence and with your glory. Jesus, we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and take of the cup. 